from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here as the company. Finley Toyota Studios. A big day of sports news to get to. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and the Packers in just a couple minutes. VGK back on the ice tonight. So we'll preview that and also react to the uh, crazy victory over the weekend. we got the draft on the way, so there's all the draft mullings now, especially around the uh, Raiders on the top of the draft and the team that apparently uh, controls the draft, the Weirdo Texans. So that's all coming up. John Von Tobel and then a couple of draft previews as well as we'll go to some cities around the country to get you updated on what the story is in both uh, Nashville and in Denver with our rival or the arch rival Broncos. Adam, what's up? Yeah, I was just thinking we have there's so many arch rivals now. I think there's I think there's several for the Raiders. Um, but the Broncos are certainly one of them and a very intriguing team that has visions of coming up from the bottom to uh to rising up to the top. Before we do any of that though, uh every day we've got to update you on the Las Vegas A's. They're coming, right? They're coming. Although we told you late <laughs> right. last week, you know. Let it play out. We'll talk to the uh, the movers and shakers in this whole thing, but the money's not set yet, although apparently there's a uh, a clock that is ticking to get this thing all done, and Dave Cavill, the president of the A's, continues to do interviews uh, in the Bay Area here and uh, continues to feed your paper uh, news about what's going on, and we'll have an update on how soon the A's actually could be here if a deal is struck. We could have a lot of baseball at LV Ballpark. Now, this is the part that – I don't know that people want an update on, especially the legislators who want to push this through and Dave Cavill. But we all watch baseball. Like, it's not some you know Japanese team we're bringing in where they're playing in the middle of the night for us. We know what the A's are doing. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to get much better. I mean, it can't be, what are we, 22 games in? So, it's seven and a half times that. Uh, you know, you get up to 162 games and we'd be looking at, what, about uh, 27 wins? So, not the best. They're 4-18 <laughs> and 18 now. They actually won a game in a series. They didn't get swept. Uh, but they still wind up losing against the Rangers, twenty-seven to ten. It's always good to look at the series, what the three-game series turn out to be, because uh, this one was twenty-seven ten on the wrong side. The two before this were twenty-six three and twenty-four eleven. So they've been getting absolutely slaughtered. They just brought a couple of the uh, aviators up to help out. I think uh, Jordan Diaz had a home run in one of the games. So that's where we are right now with the A's. And uh, social media has not been friendly to them. Not no. not not. Not what I've seen, but social media generally in a case like this, you're not going to have all the supporters out there being as loud as the detractors. No, and you know if you hit a home run, you're probably getting sent back down. Like that's that's the goal. Like they don't want success. They want this is major league. This is well. This one is hasn't that ship sailed? Do they need to convince? Why yeah. would why would losing matter at this point? Because they, they they don't want Oakland back in it. Like they don't want Oakland to, you know, the 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 people to start saying, "Wait a minute, we're going to lose all of our teams." I think that is still the case. I, I, I you think I, there's hope, and if they win, that gives them more hope. I think so. The fans, really? Uh, not. I mean, I think it's it's mostly gone away. But I think if if the the groundswell starts to pick up, if the team starts to find, or if the the people start to find some guys they like, they start to see some wins. They might be like, "How can we lose another team?" I don't think. I don't think that one's going to be uh, dug from the earth. I think I it's think, buried. But it is I the think plan. the nails are all in the coffin. And uh, if they win, I mean, and, and they're not going to. It doesn't matter. I mean, what are they going to – they're going to take off now and win 60 games. Um, you know, the rest of the way, 55 games. Well, you don't want to find guys that the town falls in love with and that sort of thing. You just want to make sure. It's done. The only thing that saves Oakland is if we say no. 
Yeah. If we have forces here and there could be some forces that say no. And, you know, one of them spoke out um, in the form of Mark Davis. I thought it was really interesting from uh, Michael Naft, a Clark County commissioner who's got that area down there uh, by the strip, who, frankly, I, I follow him on Twitter. I haven't really seen him be very critical huh. ever. It's <laughs> um, pretty much pro sports, but he did have a tweet late, uh, late last week in a response to another media outlet saying the A's are asking for $500 million, and he tweeted – Asking for and getting are two different, or two very different things. And the first thing I thought was, oh, wow, I wonder who he's speaking on behalf of. Because it's kind of out of character. Sure. So is this one of the people who is going to do the Raiders bidding? And who else could it be? Because we talked about organizational changes where a lot of the heavy hitters of the past are gone from the organization. Mark Davis laid it out to you guys at the paper, to Johnny Katz. Like, I'm not, I'm never letting this go. What right. they did to us for 10 years plus at the end, I'm never letting that go. Well, he said, unless they switch owners. Like he said, he would be more interested or more willing to maybe have some sort of relationship at that point. Which is important. Sure. Which, uh, which is important. I don't know how that happens. No. Well, if you're making uh, and, this and, move, and, if you're investing a billion dollars, you're not doing it to just dump it off immediately. Right. It's because you think it's going to go up. Right. Unless that was part of Nevada and Clark County's agreement to give the money which I've seen a lot of people suggest. I have no idea legally that you could – I don't think you can. But people have said, hey, we give them the money, but there better be something in some sort of contractual form that says they're going to spend to a certain amount on payroll. I don't know how you write that in. That would be tough. Yeah. I'm sure what they'll do is they'll tell the legislatures, like, we promise that we'll do that. Would the response be, well, how are the San Jose earthquakes doing? What are you spending on them? Yeah. Because I've seen that a lot from Bay Area people. Like, be very careful. Be very careful. Because yeah. they did get a new stadium there. I think they – I was looking up the financing on the San Jose Stadium, and it wasn't super clear. I think it was paid for uh, by the owner at the time, I think, because Lou Wolf owned the, the MLS team. But anyway, the point is it doesn't look like they've put a ton of money or resources into the Quakes. Yeah, and, and I think that's obviously true here. And um, there is a lot of moving pieces of this, and I, it'll come down to, unfortunately, how most political things come down to, like what – what the people who are voting on this think that they can get the most out of is—is is it the Raiders? The Raiders are going to go to the legislatures and say, "Do not do this." And if you do, you're probably never come to a game again. And you're not going to do this. And you're not going to have this. Really? And we're not going to give you access to this. And that—I'm that, not saying specifically. You think it could that's get, how every deal works ever. You think they'll be that active in pushing back? Yeah, I think so. And, and do they trust that, or do they want their seat to the Raiders, or do they trust the A's coming in and saying, "Wait till you see what we'll give you." Oh boy, that'll be great. And not illegally, just. Hey, you can be on our ribbon cutting, and you can be at the first game of the stadium, and you can you can do this, and you know, all those things. We'll lobby for you when your re-election comes up. Like, and, and this is not about this deal. It's how all political deals work. It's just what it is. And wh- who do they trust more? Who are they going to get more out of? What do they you know What do they benefit from? Is it there's going to be like four of them, like one percent of them that are going to actually do what they think their constituents want, and then the rest is going to go like this. And th- that's just unfortunate, but that's how it's going to play out. I feel like social media is much different this time. There's a lot more vocal opposition. Sure. I, I, the, the last time with the Raiders, SB1 seemed to be kind of shrouded in mystery. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way this has been laid out is a special tax district. And, well, I mean, nothing would happen with that area. So you may as well give it to us, which you you pushed back on last week. Yeah. And by the, and by the way. Without us, I mean, there's nothing's going to happen at the 15 and Tropicana. As a, si- sure? as a side note, <laughs> I – I was kind of talk, talking to some people this week about – because we, we had a, our big question. One of the big questions we asked last week was, okay, so stations is selling half the property. 
Does that mean they're going to build a casino on the other half? And I was told there's nothing like that in the plans. They don't know yet. But if they were to put, and I don't know the numbers exactly on this, if they were to put the 100 acres right now on the market, they would get a certain price for it. Okay. If they were to put the 50 acres they are retaining on the market with a stadium, they would get more for the 50 acres than they would for the 100 acres now. Okay. So the 50 acres right. that they're keeping becomes more valuable than the 100 acres they already have and they sell, which is wild. So then well, let's go back to support because the support for the Raiders' money was Governor Sisolak, was a lot of the Clark County commissioners, was a lot of the Sheldon Adelson – well, Adelson himself and the Sheldon Adelson-backed politicians, which actually were on both sides of the aisle. I think we kind of settled on at the end of last week, well, who's really going to be behind this for the A's project? And the thought was, well, if it's not a partnership with Red Rock Resorts, the Fertitas are not going to be behind it. But why wouldn't they if their land is going to now double the 50 yeah. remaining acres, going to double in value? So they... They should have a friend in the Fertitas. Yeah, and they're already getting money for the 50 acres, and the other 50 acres is going to be more valuable than the 100 acres already was. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that they're going to be very supportive of this uh, because this deal would be incredibly beneficial for them. So they should be. I mean, that's that, that, why wouldn't they want that? That's As business people, that's what they should want. Um, that's not how politicians should be working, but it, it's how business people work, and that's – Makes a lot of sense. I don't have any fault in that at all. Like that's just a smart move by them. So I'm sure they're going to get out and do what they can to push this forward and make this happen. By the way, I've heard Dave Cavill, the ace president, do interviews all over the place, and I'm hearing more about tourists as part of the mix. When it was pitched our way last week, it was eighty twenty locals. Yeah, I think they're at seventy thirty now. Okay, because it, you know a lot of ways to justify the special tax district is that we need tourists to come. Of course. The estimates are you could have 400,000 visitors come into town and spend their money, and that's kind of the offshoot reason that you give someone a special deal on developing land. A look at all the people are going to bring to town. Yeah, but I thought this was going to be 80-20 local, which then also would lead you to believe if it starts to move more towards 70-30 local or 60-40 local, that maybe everything that goes into going to a baseball game won't be so affordable. Of course. If you can sack the tourists, who we sack all the time, then maybe the locals aren't getting a great deal because we were told, hey, 80, 81 games, baseball is clearly more affordable than the NBA, the NHL, and especially the NFL. Maybe that changes. I, I My why guess do, is, and this is why I'm kind of tracking it. Why did my, you laugh when you said that? Well, because my guess is that the, um, different messages are being pushed to different people. Of course. And we're going to hear one set of talking points here on the ground in Vegas. Other places, it's going to be a whole different story. And there'll be times when you ask a question and say, well, is it going to be more tourists or locals? Look, it's, it's, this is for the locals. It's for the people here. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, wouldn't we want tourists to be there? Because that, that's, going to who, that's going to be who's driving the That's going to justify impact. the tax district, and then, the freebie tax district. Oh, yeah, it'll be mostly tourists. It's, it's great. <laughs> but I thought you just said it was locals. Yeah, if it's for the locals. Like that's who? how it's gonna go. Who am I talking to right here? Yeah. Who is this Ronnie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it the out of town or are they in town? So Golden Knights hockey is coming check? up. I don't know what you're talking about. VGK is coming up at six thirty tonight. Uh, the second game in the peg. Chris Chapman is filling in for RTHG. He'll be doing the uh, the pre, the post, the intermissions at Whiskey Bar and Grill. It's in Henderson. There's actually two locations, but he'll be at the Henderson location 
uh, in Inspirata, 32-31 by Centennial Parkway. 51 types of whiskey, 24 different scotches. They got happy hour going down as the game is starting. They've got their happy hour that goes from 4 until 7. By the way, Friday nights they've got live entertainment. There's a late night happy hour from 11p to 2a. Uh, happy hour food includes $7 bar bites, the whiskey poppers, the pretzel bites, the cheese curds, the lettuce wraps, and Chapman will be on the scene doing pre, post, and intermission. So go watch VGK tonight on the road with the official pre, post, and intermission show of the Golden Knights Whiskey Bar and Grill in Henderson. Go check it out. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. It's a Jets classic. Adam always loves those uh, offbeat, whatever that was, team theme songs up on YouTube. Better than the Packers? Probably. I would hope so. Yeah, they finally get it done today. The Jets and the uh, Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers. It's weird, though, isn't it? Like, the feeling today, isn't it weird? Uh, that it's over? Like, it ends with kind of a thud. Yeah. I think people are trying to find angles, and the angle is the Jets got ripped off, which we'll get to. But we talked about it three weeks ago, a month ago. We got put on the shelf, and then... The books, the funny thing is when you look at the odds, you're like, oh, let me go check out what the Jets are now. Oh, it's the same thing because they, they already jumped it. Basically, they were 95% in that it was going to happen. So we were all just waiting. And now the news is what they gave up, which I think is kind of hardcore for most people yeah. who are listening. Um, but what does it do for the Jets? What do you think it does for the well, Jets? Well, first of all, I just wanted to, to get to the part where you said it kind of ends with like a yeah. – Ugh. Okay. But I think that's the whole situation, and I. I it was a waiting game. But in I, in the whole thing, like I was out on the I was out on the golf course yesterday with a uh, with a Packers fan, um, and I I just said, what like are you excited about Jordan Love? Like what is what do you feel about Jordan Love as a quarterback? And he said, I don't think it's gonna work, but I just want this to be over. Like I'm just done. Like, and I just said that that makes sense, and that's that's how the trade feels too. It's like. Nobody's excited. It's just like, okay, we we got it now. It's where it is. The Packers can move forward. The Jets can be excited. But on the Packers side, it's like, yeah, okay, it's done. We've, but we've but I do – you know I've spoken about Packers fans many times. I think most, most of them are pukes. And they have no idea what just happened. They have no idea what just happened since 1994. No, they do. do but they? not all of them. Smart ones. Smart ones. Okay. Well, because when I hear, oh, I'm just glad it's over. Are you? Oh, is that right? I don't think I don't think they mean Aaron Rodgers is over. Like this whole like, is he going to play? Is he no, not? I, I is get he not? I, I get that, but the problem is they didn't put themselves in a position for the transition to the next guy because they don't have the next guy. Yeah. And by the way, this is done. What are we at today? April twenty fourth. Isn't our May first deadline on his? When's his fifth year option have to be picked up? It's coming up. So it's May first. I think. Yeah. It's twenty million dollars. Well, they're going to do it now. I would assume. What? I would assume. No. Okay, that's an angle. That's crazy. Well, gonna, you I let mean, him play it out. And if, and, if he, and if he puts himself in a position like, you know, Danny Dimes, which, by the way, the Giants are stupid for what they did with Daniel Jones on the back end, the fact that they paid him out of desperation, if Jordan Love's awesome, then Jordan Love's awesome. Go ahead, bro. Shop your wares. They're nuts if they pick up a $20, $20 million option for the fifth year. You let yeah. him play it out. Yeah. I mean, and I, you start thinking about what what the quarterback plan. I mean, what would I do? 
I would I would think about using some of these picks they just got and the picks they have. I'd be calling the Niners. Trey Lance? If Trey Lance can get a song and a dance or can be gotten for a song and a dance, I'll take my chances with him. So be Hey Jordan, there's a little pressure here. We got another quarterback in waiting. Yeah, I'm not because why wait? This is a unique situation where the I think the Niners are making a mistake here. It is only twenty if no, million. If no one oh man, say that again. It's only twenty million. Okay. All right. Which is downright cheap for a quarterback at this point, but And it does get you to the crazy franchise tag stuff. Yeah. You know, you're not just giving that up. And that's really when you draft a first rounder, that's that's the positive. Also the, you, you get your you you have a one way fifth year. And and you also have to consider where you're gonna be. Like if Jordan Love does not work, say because I know you're you're thinking, okay, you sign him to the twenty million for next year. That's not this coming year, twenty twenty four. Right. And you're like, what if he doesn't work out in twenty twenty three? And now you have to pay him in twenty twenty four. Okay, but if he doesn't work out in twenty twenty three, that means you're not going to be good, and you're not going to be good going into twenty twenty four. So a twenty million dollar contract for one year is not going to be burdensome for you. Like, all right, cool. He's on the roster. Right. He can even be a backup at that price, and then it gets you to. Clear all, clear out of the cap space. You might be stripping down anyway if he stinks. and go forward. Right, if he stinks, you're going to be tearing it down. Okay. So what? That's the that's the thing right there. I think that I think that you probably just pick it up. Yeah, maybe this is exciting for the Packers fans. I don't know. And again, a picking it up is not saying like he's going to be awesome. He it might even be saying he's not going to be good, and that's fine. Well, I'm locked up. We'll tank and lose, and we'll move on. That's a good way to look at it. Kind of my Zach Wilson attitude. Yeah. If they wanted to really drive a hard bargain and tell yeah. the uh, Packers to f off. Exactly. So did the Jets get hosed on this one? Um, What's your understanding of the deal? Because I when I when I first read it, I saw people saying they got fleeced, and others were like, "Well, they gave up two first round picks." I mean, I guess eh. they didn't give up a first round pick this year. No, it's fl- a swap. They swap. So it's it's two, swap two it, spots. It's two spots. So let's calm down on that. But I think the, some of the headlines have have done that. It yeah. was like the Jet, uh, Packers acquire you know the thirteenth pick for Aaron, like. Right. Sure. That's not the story. That's not well, the whole story. Maybe that's where people are. are maybe that's why Fleece is out there. Well, I think I think the the issue for a lot of people is they thought next year was a contingent second round pick, and it's a contingent first round pick. If Aaron Rodgers plays sixty five percent of the snaps, they get a first round pick next season. Well, if he plays sixty five percent of the snaps, it's probably not going to be a very good pick. Right. I think that's the Jets thinking. Well, and I also believe the conditional was on him playing a second year, not playing a lot this year. Right. Sure, but that's I think what I would have hoped it was. But you're right. If he plays 65 percent of the snaps, that means he's in for most of the season, and they should have a pretty decent year. We also by next year's draft, if he, re- if you really wanted to play that game, because I'm sure, I'm sure the Packers also were like, yeah, we'll even make a decision by the draft next year. Will we know that he's coming back for the draft? Yeah, How are yeah. we going to put that as a contingency? Yeah. And the Jets, same thing. Like nobody knows when he's going to make a decision. It's 65 percent of the snaps. Yeah, for this season. Okay, so if the so if the Jets were to get off to if we just did that based on games, so let's let's go eleven or twelve games. The Jets get out of the gates at four and seven. Ooh, then we got problems. Well, it'd also be then, pulling. We, then we got problems. Then guess who's at four and seven? Boy, you got a you got a decision to make there, or, or five and six because uh, you still have a fighting chance. You certainly do, but. Four and seven, three and eight. Oh, it's a you. disaster. Then uh, hey, Zachy, where are you, buddy? I'll also tell you, come this. off the bench. You got to start managing early in the year. I'll I would say, um, first of all, I would probably pull him out for a lot of third and ones, and run quarterback sneaks with somebody else. 
uh, I would definitely, even though. What sinister activity, (laughs) but but you're right. That would be, I don't think the Jets, I don't think most people in football have that. Have the mindset to think about the sixty five percent of snaps. Well, and even though you know NFL teams never pull starters, if it's a, you know thirty seven to four right. or thirty seven three in the yeah, fourth quarter, yeah. they're still keeping starters in. I would I would definitely be taking yeah. them out week one, week two, week three if it's yeah. a you're down if the game's decided. You're down twenty four twenty eight going into the fourth quarter. He ain't playing up or down. Interesting. Yeah, I I would start managing snaps early in the season. So let's give uh, let's give you the information here before we get to VGK, and also we're going to go to Nashville to find out what the Titans are doing in the draft, and want to ask the. Uh, the dude in Nashville, some baseball stuff too. But uh, Jets get the they get Rodgers, they get the number fifteen pick overall. They get a, a fifth rounder this year. Basically, they swap fifth and sixth rounders. Packers get the thirteenth pick, so it's a swap. The second round pick this year, which is number forty two, it's actually not the Jets' second round pick; it's the Browns' second round pick. And then the conditional second rounder next year is a condition on if he plays sixty five percent of the snaps this year, it can become a first. It doesn't go the other way. It could, you, you know, right. Like it's not a second turns into a third. It's the second can turn into a first or it's a second. Yeah. I mean. It's, so did the, did the Jets get ripped off? I don't think so. I mean, look, if it works, if it works for them, nobody's going to be complaining about what they give up. I feel like there, there are people out there today who are, who've kind of gone with the Rodgers is not only a pain in the ass, but he's not good anymore. Do you look at it that way? First part for sure. No. Second part, do you see some massive decline? Look, he won an MVP two seasons ago. And last year he was not his best, but I think there was also a lot of circumstances. Um, I think if he's choosing to play and he's choosing where he's going to go and he's choosing what coaches he's playing for, I'm guessing he's probably pretty into it. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. Woo! That was close with the... Golden Knights in the peg. Wow. I mean, dynamite. Dynamite. First couple of periods. 4-1. What the hell happened in the third? I think they got a little bit conservative, for one thing. Uh, there was, you know, obviously a big push, which you'll expect. And Winnipeg does have some firepower, for sure. And they got the first goal. And then they got a really, really, really questionable penalty call uh, on Phil Kessel. And the power play was converted uh, you know, down the stretch, and then it was complete panic time, and you know, not panic time, I guess, but it was it was you know all out, you know, desperation mode for Winnipeg, and they were able to score a goal, and you see that you know happen quite often when a team has the empty net, they're you know scrambling, descending bodies all over the place. Uh, I thought Vegas, and it was pointed out, I know, by the broadcasters uh, on the telecast the other day, the national guys that were in studio between uh, the regulation and intermission. Um, the defenseman around the net just got really, really aggressive in trying to get the puck out instead of just you know prioritizing staying around the net. And you, know, you don't want to fault Alex Petrangelo because he's been so amazing and so good in so many ways. Uh, but he got he was really kind of the uh, uh, the the you know the probably person to point the most blame at at that last goal where he really came out and uh, and tried to go get a puck, didn't get it, and then he was. Kind of uh, left his uh, his you know left the house as they as they would say, but um, exposed the you know the area right in front of the net and Winnipeg got the goal. So really really impressive by them. Then when it's the overtime, I mean I think most everyone in the world kind of just thought Winnipeg would win the way that they had momentum, the way that they were playing late, um, the way that they were you know just so much more 
had so much more energy maybe than the Knights did at that point. The crowd was ruckus. Everything was wild. I don't, I don't know how the Golden Knights survived the overtime. Yeah. Well, they, like, got, they just, got. I think they got pretty fortunate. They got a power play right away. Yeah. Right at the end of uh, regulation, that carried into overtime. So it got it, they were they were to settle a little bit, which I think was massive. But it felt it felt like most of the period was played yeah. in the VGK end. Yeah. I mean, and just tens of minutes of just they, trying to hold it together. They found a way. So I don't like. I don't think that the win necessarily, you know, put puts them. It puts them in a very good position. Gives them home ice back. Gives them a chance today with no pressure to just go out and say, "Hey, if you win, you're the series is pretty much over, and if you lose, you still got home ice to take care of." So it puts them in a great position today. But I think the loss would have been far more debilitating than the win was good. I get it. Uh, so I, I just think that that kind of loss, up three goals, just like I mean, you, you look at no further than the Kings. I think the Kings yesterday did. That's I think the series is over because they lost th- a three goal lead. Uh, I think it could have been very much the same. With the Golden Knights, and they could have been in that uh, that kind of position by losing a game like that that they were in total control of, and they didn't. They found a way, which I think is so important for a team that has championship aspirations. Eichel's play? It's unbelievable. I mean, this is what they went out and got Jack Eichel for last year. Uh, they saw you know, they saw a need for a player like that, a game-changing type player. Like He's not Connor McDavid, but that kind of player who you know can just kind of take over Make plays on his own, set up other guys, but also you know create for himself. And this is his first ever playoff series. He's kind of joked about it a little bit of you know how he you know he keeps giving cliches about what the playoffs are like, and he's like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. It's just what people tell me. I'm I'm here for the first time, uh, and I think he's he's enjoying it, and he's he's kind of taking his game to a new level now that he's playing in the postseason for the first time. You know, last week we talked to uh, Darren Millard on Tuesday, and he had done his podcast, The Chirp, with Ray Ferraro. And when they talked about Eichel, they said the playoffs were going to be a whole different experience for him in that he seems to kind of want to slow everything down. And they said the playoffs are going to come at him so fast and he's going to realize there's just a much higher sense of urgency that it's going to take him time to adjust. Yeah. I guess he adjusted. I mean, he did. Well, well it, I think they probably meant more time, but he kind of sucked game one. And I, I mean, let's you know, let's that's not. Uh, I mean, it's a critique, but hey, yeah, Stone, everybody has, Stone wasn't back fully, yeah. and Eichel, it, it, yeah, he was not adjusted yeah. in game one. And I think he, I think that was, I mean, credit to him to, when you say it's going to take time to adjust, and I think it probably does. I think most guys probably take longer than one game, and he did have one, you know, one kind of moment of of real brilliance late in the game where he drew a penalty, and it didn't really end up helping. But he um, said, okay, he's starting to feel a little bit. That was in game one, and then game two. Game three, he's just been awesome, and I think, you know, that was a message to him. You know, he's he's probably thought to himself, "I've waited my entire life for this. I've you know all the training he's done, and you know if you if you followed his story, you know he you know he left his family and went and trained in Michigan as a lot of young players do, and um, you know every single day waking up early in the morning to try to do it, that was for this, and you know all the expectations, all the hype on him for all those years was." Well, you know what will happen in this moment, and he's decided to embrace it. Three six four eleven hundred giveaway time. Three six four one one zero zero May fifth. That's a Friday. The Rio Vista Amphitheater in Laughlin is housing ZZ Top, the legendary ZZ Top, on May fifth in Laughlin. We've got a pair of tickets. Three six four eleven hundred. Three six four one one zero zero to go see ZZ Top. Ari is going to hook you up for that show. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. On the way back, we're going to go. Out to Nashville. Let's find out what the Titans are doing in the draft. And, you know, the other thing is when 
Bobby Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, was talking uh, this weekend and today about Vegas and moving a team. He also mentioned expansion and kind of threw Nashville in there as a town that you know everyone wants. And I wonder if Nashville is kind of the the backup for us if we say no, 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 five hundred million dollars. Now we got we got to work on this. This is not what we want to do. We're not giving the A's five hundred million dollars if Nashville has it together already that they could step up and steal the A's. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, talking NFL draft and everything uh, Nashville from the game in Nashville. Chase McCabe is up with Cofield and Company. Chase, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, Steve. How are you? Real good, real good. We got a lot to get into uh, with the Titans, and I wanted to actually run some baseball by you since I'm sure you saw the A's news the uh, at the end of last week. But, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, normally this would be at the time of year where be kind of touch and go and getting you on, but the uh, Predators fell just short, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think at the trade deadline we all kind of felt that it wasn't going to happen, and then they call up all these young kids, and they they made us talk about them. I mean, they gave us a run uh, and just just barely missed the playoffs, but I really like the direction of this team uh, and what they're doing with the young core. Barry Trotz, the first-ever head coach, returning to be the general manager, so that's uh, definitely given us something to talk about, and I was hoping that maybe there'd be a playoff series. Maybe I could come out and see you guys, but um, didn't work out. But that's okay. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens next year. Are people feeling the same sort of enthusiasm with the Titans and their future? Um, I, I think it depends on who you ask. To be honest with you, it's oh. it's weird right now um, with Nashville sports in general because um, you know we have a soccer team too, and they're they're doing well. But like the the hockey team and the football team are kind of in this. Are they rebuilding? Are they resetting? Are they retooling? Like, what word are they are they wanting to use? And with the Titans, we have no idea because there's all these rumors with Ryan Tannehill. Are they trading the quarterback? And I've always looked at it as if you move on from a quarterback or you draft a, a quarterback and you're with a rookie, you're rebuilding. That, that That's a rebuild right there. And um, Rand Carthon, the general manager, spoke today. I was at the press conference. He said that he had a conversation with Ryan Tannehill back in February. Didn't tell us what that conversation was. He just said they had one and that Ryan knows the direction that they're going to go. So I'm I'm glad that Ryan knows that. We don't know any of that. Um, So I I just think with them, it's kind of like, uh, all right, get to Thursday, get to Friday, and then I'll have a better idea of what they're going to do. But right now, I mean, it, it feels like they've definitely hit the reset button, even though Tannehill and Henry are still on the roster. So, I mean, you talk about Tannehill. I guess what would be your feeling if you had to guess uh, week one, is Ryan Tannehill the starting quarterback for Tennessee? My guess is Ryan Tannehill is the starter week one, but I think they draft a quarterback. Hmm. And so I think that I think that the conversation that has taken place is, hey, Ryan, you're our guy for this year, and that's it. And, and they're going to treat this similar to a Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes in that he sat for the first year behind Alex Smith and then they gave him the keys to the car. That's kind of where I feel like this is going. Do I, I mean, obviously we saw a lot from Malik Willis last year and it wasn't great. Uh, does that mean it's over for him? I mean, I, I think so. It, what's funny, and we've had these conversations on our shows, but you know, with all this stuff with the XFL and the USFL, if if the NFL had an agreement with either of those leagues – how beneficial would it be for Malik oh. Willis to be playing right now? Yeah. I mean, you can name a ton of players across the league 
that you could say that for. But I look at Malik Willis and I go, this guy was raw. He was a project quarterback. You knew that. They had no intentions of him playing last year. They didn't do themselves any favors because they didn't bring in a backup quarterback. They decided to try and sneak him through to the practice squad, and the former offensive coordinator stole him. So that happened. But I, I, I think that if he could have just – if we hadn't seen him play a down last year, my thought would be different on him. I would be here going, you know what? I, I mean, maybe he's a backup. Maybe he's a starter. They're still developing. But the fact that I, I've seen it now – I can't get that out of my head. And so I would say the answer to that is, yeah, they're probably, he's probably not it. Maybe they feel like he can be a really good backup, but starter in this league, I'm not seeing it. So Derrick Henry, is he the starting running back for the Titans week one? Well, according to Rand Carthon today, he said he has not received any calls on Derrick Henry. <laughs> so um, while we, we are in line season, we don't know if that's <laughs> truth or not. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes, because the thing about it, and you guys know this, even though Derrick Henry is a freak of nature, he's still a running back, and he's still 30 years old, or almost 30 years old. So the value of him and the contract that he's on, you're just not going to get much for him. Now, if they were to trade Tannehill and could figure out the money part, $27 million is is the big money part with Tannehill, then you might could get something for him. You know, I kind of thought if the Jets couldn't get this figured out with Rodgers, which they ended up doing, you know, could – Tannehill be a fallback Henry to me I just I just don't see how you can move him what the value um, is potentially going to be for that so I I think ultimately both of those guys are going to be here albeit likely their last year so obviously that's two major major pieces of the offense guys that have been the faces of the franchise the offense for a long time Uh, and you mentioned maybe drafting a quarterback coming up uh, in this draft coming up this week, would that be in round one, or do they absolutely need to go with a tackle at some point? I So if you had asked me this a month ago, I would have said they probably were going to go tackle, but they seem to really like Andre Dillard that they signed from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to try him at left tackle. Um, that, that has been what has been coming out of their mouths and his mouth. Uh, I like Skarinski. I like Paris Johnson Jr., um, if those guys are there at 11, I'd probably be more inclined to take them. But I I think that they're going to maybe look, if if they wanted to move out of 11, then they could potentially go guard somewhere uh, later in the first round or, or potentially day two. So that's my roundabout way of saying that I, I just, all signs are starting to point, they're going quarterback. And and, and it, it's it's weird to think that. I, I don't think they're going to move up. I think they're more inclined to either take somebody that falls to them at 11, like a Will Levis. Um, Rand Carthon was very complimentary of Will Levis today. He brought him up a few times. So maybe taking him, or they trade out of that pick, and they could get somebody like Hendon Hooker from the University of Tennessee later in the first round and then add draft picks. But they're going to have to get offensive line at some point. Um, But I think they kind of feel like with tackle specifically, they've addressed that in free agency, even though I – don't know if I really buy that. I know this is you talking, not the team, so I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I won't, you know, <laughs> throw it under too much. But, like, every team's plan that I hear seems to be, oh, we'll just wait and get Hendon Hooker later. And I know he's somewhat <laughs> local for you guys down in Tennessee. Does that mean he's just going to go a lot earlier? Like, everybody seems to be like, hey, he's our backup guy. We'll get him later in the first round. Um, I think he goes first round because, and here's the big reason why, and, and I've heard a former general manager point this out. If you take him in the first round, you get the fifth-year option. 
He's coming off a torn ACL. He's probably not going to be – one, he wasn't going to be a day-one starter anyway, um, I didn't think. But they kind of look at it as, well, he could have the red shirt year behind a guy uh, like the, you know a Ryan Tannehill type that you already have in place, and then you have that fifth-year option that gives you that, that extra year of control. So I do feel like there's – you know I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have Minnesota taking him uh, 23rd overall. That makes a ton of sense to me because you got Cousins in place. He can sit behind Cousins for a year or two, and then you got three years to see exactly what you've gotten in him. He's a smart kid. I know a lot of people are, are worried about the age, they're worried about the ACL, and they're worried about the offense that he played in with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. That's not a pro-style offense. But he's. But I think he's a smart kid where he can learn and he can be developed by an NFL uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach that – I think he'd be a good value pick if somebody were to get him late in the first round or if he falls to the second. The, the fact that Minnesota likes him at 23 is why I had the Raiders trading up to take him at 22 in my mock draft. Okay, see, oh, wow. and I, I, think, I think he'd be a good fit there with the Raiders too. Um, you know, Because, again, you're in a situation where you have Jimmy G now, which I know you guys have to be excited about <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo coming to Vegas. But um, that you know he could sit behind, have a, a – a quarterback that could sit behind Jimmy G for a year or two and, and develop. That's exactly what I think Hinden Hooker is going to need. Jason McCabe is with us. The game in Nashville right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and company, Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. You guys have uh, how many uh, books on the ground now, sports books on the ground in Tennessee? I know uh, I think your show today was presented by which one? Superbook. Wanted to get that uh, right. So we got Superbook, obviously. The roots are yeah. here in Vegas. How many overall? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Superbook, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM. Uh, we have a local one called Action 24-7. So what's that, five? I think it's five or six now. Uh, Caesars is here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's growing. I mean, it, it's one of those things that you introduce sports betting to, which I, I was shocked it passed as quickly as it did, you know, being kind of in the Bible belt. But uh, it did, and it, it blew up. It's taken off. I mean, it, it's done really, really well. So um, I want to say it's six or seven, somewhere okay. in there. So the crazy thing is, because I was going to ask you if you're tracking the markets, the crazy thing is uh, Will Levis, you mentioned him, oh, you know, they really like him. Maybe he'll be there at 11. I don't believe this is going to happen, but right now, Adam, right, everywhere, Levis is, what, one, minus 140, minus 160 yeah. to go number two. Favorite to go number two. He's favorite now to go number two. Which I don't I – don't, I don't get that. So here's the thing. I, I got asked to do a mock today. Uh, one of the Titans beat writers does it every year. And I'm sitting there going like, man, I really this is the toughest draft I've ever done. And so I reluctantly said Levis at 11, even though I don't know if I I believe it. You know, I, I, I don't know exactly what they could do. But now with all this stuff with the S2 testing, I don't know how much you guys have talked oh, yeah. about oh, all that, but oh, the yeah. S2 testing and CJ Stroud and apparently he's dropping like, for teams to, you know, a month ago they were going to reach on Richardson, which he still could go top five. Right. And now you're hearing all this stuff on Will Levis going potentially top two. I, just, I don't get it. And that, to me, right there is why I might be weary of this quarterback class as a whole. By the way, that uh, just going back, that, that Landshark bar with the uh, Superbook right on Broadway, what a yeah. spot. What a spot. Oh, it's awesome. Well, I mean – the fact that Broadway exists and you can walk out of Bridgestone Arena and you're right there on the which is very dangerous <laughs> by the yeah. way but you can walk out and you hit all the bars but yeah no it's a, it's a cool spot cuz it's right there in the middle of everything and go in and watch games and 
download your app. You know, we're all app based with the with the uh, sports betting here, but it's still cool that you can do that. Chase McCabe does uh, the midday show on the game in Nashville. So obviously, the A's to Vegas has been a hot topic. The money's not solidified yet. Um, how close is Nashville? How interested are people on the ground in Nashville? But how close is Nashville to putting together, you know, the real money package if there were to be an expansion team there, if they were to pluck another market? What's preferable? So I, I think that – so, number one, there's a group here uh, called Music City Baseball, and they basically have uh, the blueprint for a team that they would call the Nashville Stars, um, which is kind of uh, paying homage to the Negro Leagues. Um, and so they would have that team that would be an expansion team. There was an ownership group that has a guy named John Lohr, former uh, Attorney General Eduardo Gonzalez, and former big league pitcher Dave Stewart is a part of it. Uh, they have Don Mattingly is uh, like an advisor for them right now, and they have all these different investors locally that have you know decided to that they would you know pitch in um, whenever baseball grants a franchise, and and that's kind of what. I think has been the the process is they would potentially be interested in, in taking a, an existing team and buying that team and moving it here. They would prefer to start from scratch. That model has worked for Nashville sports. You look at the predators now Nashville SC it's obviously worked there. So they would, they would prefer to be a part of expansion whenever baseball decides to do that. And I know Rob Manfred has said that, you know, maybe not right now, but they are interested in it. Nashville always seems to come up. So mm -hmm. When you ask the question how far away, I'd still say it's in the five to ten year, probably closer to ten year range. Uh, as for excitement, I think it would it would blow up. I think people would be all over it, um, and I think this this city is getting big enough that it could support four major league franchises with the NFL, the NHL, MLB, and now MLS. Um, you know, you'd obviously have people like myself that grew up as a Braves fan. The Braves were the closest team. I think you'd have to kind of steal from their fan base so they wouldn't be happy about that. They get a lot of people from Nashville coming to their ballpark, but ultimately I, I believe it would work. It's just finding a spot to put the stadium uh, and then getting all the funding together. Interesting. Uh, I can't wait until someone asks a pointed question of Manfred, and I'm not even sure he's ready to answer it, but how he would do expansion because baseball in the past has set up their teams to just absolutely suck for like eight years. Yeah. And after what the NHL did with Seattle and with us here in Vegas, I don't think there's any other way to go. If you're going to expand, you're going to charge someone whatever, you yeah. know, a billion and a half or $2 billion for a team. They got to be competitive. They got to have a chance to be at least a 500 team out of the gates or that market is in Scroogeville because, you know, fans, most markets are want to win uh, early and often. By the way, we got about 30 seconds here if you want to fire on that. Yeah, here's what I do. I'd put them in the American League where you could get the Yankees and the Red Sox in here every year. You make a, a natural rival with the Braves for interleague. That would help, you know, put butts in seats. And then, like you said, charge them a lot so you can give them a competitive team just like the NHL did because that model works. Yep. All right, Chase, glad you're doing well. Thanks for the time. Have fun on Thursday. It should be a wild ride for the Titans. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm right on that, aren't I, Adam? I mean, baseball can't do what they've done in the past. Yeah. Where, like, the, the NHL and then starting with Foley and now with Seattle, they changed the whole game. Yeah. Like any any prospective owner, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there are still cities out there that are so friggin' desperate. They're like, eh, hey, if we suck for seven years, no big deal. I just, I don't think you can do it like you used to do it. It makes it much more difficult for sure when you see what other sports have done.